Hi, this is Bobby Corella. Skin Wade is my best friend in the whole wide world, and you are listening to Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak. Hello and welcome to Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak. You are listening to The Corner 3, where we're posted up and spotted up talking Mavs, NBA, and all things basketball on and off the floor. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me today... Kati Vialba. Kati, how are you? Hello. How are you? I'm fantastic. I asked you first. How oh, are you? I'm well. Yeah, you know. <laughs> All right, good. Good. Yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> at the uh, far end of the table, Isaac Harris. Isaac, how are you? Tell me. Bobby, I'm doing marvelous. Recovering from our hangout at Rollertown last night up in Salina. Hearing about your uh, ventures into a, a soap shop. So uh, it's been a good morning. That was fun. It was fun. Kati and I's pocketbooks are a couple hundred bucks lighter, but you I spent mean, a couple hundred dollars on soap. Combined, yeah. Well, I don't want to get into the specifics, but we did. Uh, I'm, we're going to be smelling good for yeah, a while. I was going to say, I, I smelled the light so. bulb today. Studio so. 41 presented by Chime is going to just be just a. We're going to have to talk to marketing. It's going to okay. smell like Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's going to smell like fruit. It's going to smell like, you know, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah. No, uh, I loved it. It was a fun little shopping. I love to shop, so yeah. <laughs> getting to shop with Bobby was super fun. Yeah, so we were up in Salina at Rollertown, uh, Ben and Skins Brewery. Very good. How many Dorian Finney sips did we have between the three of Ooh. us? That was a really good drink. It was. I stuck to water, so oh, well, I know. How was the water? Weak. Delicious. Oh, well, there you go. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was what Mavs Nation, a gathering of the tribe. Yeah, and it truly was. Yeah, it was so fun to just see everyone, meet everyone. Good turnout too. Yeah, there were a lot of Mavs fans. It was people from Studio Forty One. Locked on Mavs was there. Mavs Moneyball was there. Reddit Mavs was there. Squish Forty One was there. Um, might be for oh Tim Cato showed up like <laughs> ten minutes before everybody left. And he Tim was, McMahon. Yeah, the Tim's. Just, just a couple hours late, but they were there. It was it was it was a really good time. Yeah, we reached the point in the night when uh, Tim McMahon and uh, Skin were telling Rick Carlisle stories. I'm like, hey, this is this is why we're here. Glad we stuck right around here. for that. <laughs> no, that you also get to, we also got to put like faces to Twitter accounts. You know, yes. we all follow certain Twitter accounts that's uh, popular in the Mavs Twitter world, and now it's like, oh, okay, I could put a face to Luka Doncic. Yeah, and, shout out Luka you know, Doncic. Shout out RBZ from the stream. That's right, RBZ yeah. was there too. Yeah, so yeah it was a, cool. It was so cool. It was a real Twitch OG. Yeah. RBZ. He was like, yeah. I remember when Bobby was streaming from his apartment. <laughs> yeah, wow. Like, I've seen your living room. <laughs> like, okay, right, okay, that's kind of weird. But uh, I did it to myself. I have nobody to blame but myself. I did it for the love of the game. Uh, speaking of the love of the game, man, we really love basketball. So it's time to uh, take a step back three. Let's get this party started the way Luca likes to do, right from midcourt. Our top stories of the week. Katya, what's on your mind? We're going to revisit this later. Well, it's, it, it's important to set the table for what's coming in the future. Okay, so I want to talk about the Lakers, and it's just kind of messy. What What is going Ooh. on in L.A.? I mean, besides LeBron just being on Super Milestone Watch, what what's going on with the team? Russ, is he jiving? Is he not? I, I don't know. Pat Bev, how does he fit into everything? They're super guard-heavy, and I just... I'm very interested to see what's going to happen with them this year. We've seen some interesting clips, and apparently Friday <laughs> yeah. night, Russ is going to come off the bench. Yeah, so, so we record we'll this Friday morning, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, Isaac, what about you? I don't, know how, I don't know what you're talking about being messy. Beverly and Russ are best friends. It's true. Like, <laughs> it's true. So they built bridges. <laughs> yeah. They're I mean, there together. is a thing called frenemies. <laughs> so. um, I mean, yeah. How many do you have? Can you name frenemies? them? Frenemies? Yeah. No, I'm friends with everyone. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
you sit on a throne of lies. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're recording this, like Kat said, on Friday morning, uh, just a little bit ago. Mavs released a press release. Dirk Nowitzki, statue unveiling. Let's go! So excited. Some would say Christmas Day is about Santa or Jesus, but now it's about Dirk. <laughs> it's about German Jesus. <laughs> it's about, it's about German Jesus. So uh, look forward to talking more about that. We've been looking forward to this day for a long time. A statue will rise. We'll see how many basketballs are rising <laughs> out of the statue, too. I know that was a big talking point for a while. I, I don't know I why. I, I still don't understand. It. I still don't understand what, it's uh, art. what people are talking about. It's art. Yeah. Art. Uh, <laughs> we will get all into the details of that later on. My story, this is relevant to the Mavs, too. It's not just a Phoenix Suns thing. Jay Crowder may or may not be on the Suns. He may or may not be at uh, that arena on you know next week whenever the Mavs travel over to Phoenix to take on the Suns. Is he going to be on a new team? They're going to trade him. Is he holding out? He's posting like trade request uh, mixtapes. Mm. It's very weird in Phoenix, which kind of lends itself to the whole like, did Luca really destroy two franchises? I was just about last to say things are weird in Utah. Things are weird in Phoenix. And or, or Jay saw their new city edition jerseys, and he's like, I'm definitely holding out now. Get me somewhere <laughs> that has better threads. Uh, just not Utah. Not Utah. <laughs> Purple yeah. is back. Luca is a conqueror. Uh, we'll get into all that and more later on in the show. But first, it's time to run the pick and roll. The meat and potatoes of the Mavs offense, the meat and potatoes of this show. We just said it. The Mavs are starting the season off next week. Final preseason game, Friday night in Utah. So we'll see what happens, whether it's like a dress rehearsal or it's a, it's a lot of you know minutes for the backups. But I think all the guys made the trip. Except, did they? Except Davis. He's still out with the okay. yeah, yeah, we'll see how long that's out. You know, knee stuff can kind of be weird. Yeah. But um, if they're going, I would assume it means they're playing. You know, we'll see if they're playing 35 or what. But the real show gets on the road next week in Phoenix. And so only three games. We've only seen two of them. Most teams by now have played five or six preseason games. The Mavs kind of taking it easy yeah. this year. What are some things that we've learned so far about this team through what we've seen at Fan Jam, camp practices, NBA uh, live streaming of practice and through two preseason games. Christian Wood is fun to watch. I, I'm, I'm sold for now. So, <laughs> you know, it's preseason. I don't want to. I don't want to get too crazy with the opinions. But um, he's been super fun to watch. He he's shown that he's a versatile player. He can play, you know, the true five. He can play a four. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think um, one of my takeaways after these first two games, one, yeah, they've already cut four players. So, you know, they're going into Friday night having a little bit smaller of a roster, 16 guys under uh, under contract right now. But and more moves maybe on the way, yeah. both adding and subtracting. Exactly. You know, so I, I think for me it's I don't think they're comfortable with that backup point guard spot. I think they've made so many changes from Hardy starting that second preseason game to – Dinwiddie playing more at the second unit, but Dinwiddie still, you know, started the first game, and Frank really didn't play a lot, and whenever their answer before when asked about this third ball handler spot or backup point guard spot, I felt like multiple people said Frank immediately, and now we haven't seen Frank play a lot. McKinley Wright looked impressive the other night, so I, for me, I think one of my biggest things I've learned is, okay, I don't think they're as comfortable with a solution yet on that third point guard spot. 
watch them start someone completely different next to Luca tonight. Yeah. Just it's like who who is it gonna be? Yeah, it's gonna be Wood in the lineup. It's like, oh my god, Jason Kidd is just he's too online. He knows what people are talking or Frank, about. On Frank starts and it's like right. Or Josh. Yeah. Frank know? starts and scores seventeen. You're like, yeah. oh, this is throws a wrench into everything. Uh, we're gonna get more into Christian Wood later. We had uh, Tim Cato and Austin Garou join us, so we're gonna have a whole Christian Wood segment coming up here soon. But uh, Katia, you're right. He's been really good. We've only seen Luca for about 15 minutes, but he looked really good he, in that Magic game. And yep. so it really feels like this year, you need all systems go right from the jump. You know, you yes. can't kind of fart around. Last year was a new coach, new system, you know, so, a couple new players. The team was mostly the same as it was the year before, but you guys had, you had guys doing different things. Well, it's Christoph like Jason Kidd said, they were, they were dating to start, right? Oh, so you got, you, okay. All yeah, right. he had that quote where he's like, well, right now, right now we're dating. So, But now you've been in a relationship for a while. So yeah, you serious. should be comfortable. You should be, you know. Yeah, I remember a kid doing the Luca car analogy. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, sometimes you want to touch the car yeah. and then uh, look under the hood. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's part of dating. You know? Very fast and furious. Uh, for some reference. people. Yeah. Uh, as it were. Well, Vin Diesel vibes. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris Porzingis is like, okay, am I going to like post up a bunch or what? I mean, last season got off to this very shaky start. It was sort of clunky at times. This year, that's no longer the case, but you are incorporating some new players uh, that weren't on the team last year. And then guys that were on the team, that might be in new roles. Maybe yeah. Dinwiddie's starting instead of coming off the bench. Maybe Josh Green is starting. Maybe Frank Nilakina is playing point guard as opposed to like third string small forward, kind of. Um, so there are some changes, but the recipe is pretty straightforward this year. You're going to have to win a lot of games. There's a lot of good teams in the West, so you need to win early. And the Mavs schedule right out of the gate is hard. You know, you go to Phoenix. We'll talk about that game here shortly, but play Phoenix. You got Brooklyn twice early. Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. You got to play the Pelicans in New Orleans. So like th these first like four or five games are very tough. After that, the schedule softens for a couple weeks and then it gets very hard as we head into like Thanksgiving time and, mm -hmm. and really all the way through Christmas. So there's no time to waste. Um, that said, how confident are you guys that they can get off to a good start? How confident are you guys just generally with this team maybe compared to how you felt last season, given what we saw success-wise and also losing Brunson, just the whole deal. Where's where's your mind at as we as we sit on the precipice of another year? I'm confident because of Luka and because I think this is an MVP-type season for Luka. But the margins are small. And when you look at even something like the ESPN player rankings that came out and everybody loves to argue rankings, but I think it was something telling about it that we have Luka, who's ranked in the top five of that list, the next Maverick was Spencer Dinwiddie in the 60s. So 69. <laughs> 69, nice. yeah. So it's a nice ranking for, for Spencer, but I think it's a telling thing for just that drop-off that now more than ever, an ankle twist to, to Luka, any type of Luka injury type thing, it's going to be an, uh, an uphill battle. You, you could say that every year, but I think now more than past years that – we need healthy Luca from the start. So, are you scared then, or how do you feel if Luca's ankles are not sprained? Oh, I'm confident. Yeah, because I think Luca is the ultimate floor raiser. That there's only there's a certain level that this Mavericks team, I, I believe, just will not fall under because if Luca's fully healthy and doing his thing. I think, like you said in the roundtable, it's like now we have a very definite like one, right? Like Luca, this team is Luca's team. There's no confusion of like. A 1A, 1B, who's the one, who's the two. 
it's very clearly Luca's team. And so barring injury, I see this being quite a successful season for them. I think last year and really the year before too, so 2021, that condensed season, the Mavs cut J.J. Barea right at the end of camp and mm-hmm. Luca was sort of thrust, maybe even reluctantly, almost into this leadership role, even mm-hmm. though it was only his third season. He's like 21 years old. Last season, especially after the KP trade, it became Luca's team and he kind of had to for be sure. the leader, you know, emotional, vocal leader. Now he's got a couple years of that under his belt too. He's not an old man. He's still only 23 or 24. Uh, but he's had kind of a, a couple go-rounds as, as not only the alpha on the floor, but as the, the tone setter off the floor too. I'll tell you an interview uh, that I thought was really good was so Locked On Bucks host, Kane Pittman, works for ESPN Australia. He did an interview with Josh Green the other day. And I watched it. I retweeted it yesterday on Twitter. And one of the things Josh talks about was Luca as a leader. And I thought it was so telling because he said he was talking about how now he's gr- like he's grew into that role so much as the f- true leader of the team. And it's one thing for like media and us to talk about it, but to mm-hmm. hear a teammate talk about Luca as a leader, I think that's really telling. And it's not something that you just do or you just become, yeah. you kind of have to go through it. There's like a maturity process, yeah. you know, same with LeBron. LeBron is now like an unquestioned, he's like the spokesman of the league, basically. Yeah. But 15 years ago, that might not have been the case. You know, he kind of had to learn and he had, to, he had to develop that. And so it feels like, you know, J-Kid, Nico, Rick, to a degree, kind of began the process, I guess, and, and the previous regime by cutting J.J., by making Luca this, this sort of solo act. But um, now he's really kind of growing into it, I think. And I do think also the addition of JaVale McGee is big, too, because he seems like he's just very, like, vocal in the locker room. I mean, obviously, I'm not in there, so I don't know, but it just seems like he brings this presence of, like, hey, let's get it done. So For the longest time, you know, this hasn't been a very young team. Despite what they say, the Mavs aren't super young. It's a lot of guys in their, like, mid to upper 20s, yeah. uh, only a couple guys in their 30s. But for the longest time, even the guys that were older than Luka, still, like, supporting players, guys that have been here forever, uh, your Dorians, your Maxis, mm-hmm. your Dwight Powells, uh, you know, Jalen before that, and, and guys like that along the way, where even though they're older, it's not like they're going to take charge and really sort of be like, I, I've been there before, because they haven't. They've all been playing together for five years. They have the same shared experiences. It feels like forever I've wanted them to get a vet that has had success. Three lat- championships. Yeah, JaVale's been on a lot of really good teams. He's played with and against a lot of really good players, has seen a lot of stuff. And that, even no matter how important he was to those successful teams, mm-hmm. the fact is he still went through that process with them, with two different franchises, you know, three different times. And that could be very beneficial because unlike last year's team, where no one really had any playoff experience, especially beyond the first round, to speak of, you know, this year you have a guy that's been at least seen the mountaintop. He's been there a few times. Having him in the rotation, that's a key part too. There's one thing to have, like, Udonis Haslam on the end of your bench in Miami, which is super beneficial. But to have a guy who has the experience and also playing every night in your rotation, that's like the next level that helps you. Not only in the rotation, but starting. Yeah. I mean, as of now, he's he's the starting center. So Yeah. And I would say Dorian is probably your your defensive anchor, but like a big man is really the anchor. You know, right. and so JaVale is gonna be the communicator. He's gonna be like the vocal guy on defense, you know, and that matters too because he's defended a whole lot of possessions in his life he's like 35 it's wild too that this team secretly has like playoff experience that you know these these young guys air quotes here but dorian maxi these guys i mean 
This is three straight. You know, we had a long playoff run last year. We had th those first round series, both in the bubble and out mm -hmm. of the bubble. So it's weird now that we look back on it and see the Dorians and Maxis of the world and say, man, y'all y'all actually have a decent amount of playoff games under your belt. A team that the Mavs beat on that playoff run, that glorious, majestic, tell, tell me more, Bobby. magical playoff run. Made it all the way to the conference finals, Isaac, with the Phoenix Suns, yeah. who they opened the season against. You're gonna, have to go, makers, man. you're gonna have to go into Phoenix for the first time since Game Seven. The Mavs won that game, what, 123 to 90? I'm trying to find the final score. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but they led by like 47 points in the second half. A lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. they go to Phoenix on Wednesday night. It's gonna be on national TV. It's gonna be awesome. It'll also be on Valley Sports Southwest too. But um, it's gonna be on national TV. It's gonna be fantastic. The whole NBA world will be watching. What can Luca do for his follow-up act? Phoenix has some questions we'll talk about here in a little bit, but uh, I, I just can't get over how just wild this game is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be super wild because, I mean, Phoenix, they have a lot of the same guys that were in that game seven. So they have to come into it with the chip on their shoulders. They have to come in it kind of in rival mode almost, right? Like, I think the NBA is trying to create this rivalry between Dallas and the Suns. Dallas has opened their season in Phoenix. Quite a, few times. quite a few times in yeah. the last, you know, five-ish seasons. So I think it's just been brewing, but I'm super pumped to see the Mavs come out, come out strong. And I could already see Twitter just freaking out. Like, if the Mavs do lose, they're just going to yeah. be like, oh, my gosh, the season's over. It's like, no, calm down. Yeah, like, but if they win, if they win, but if they win it's like winning we're the winning the championship. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one guy that was with Phoenix that's with the Mavs now is JaVale McGee, who yeah. we just talked about. Um, it's Tell us be, all your secrets. It's going to be primal <laughs> in that building, though. It's going to be absolutely primal. I, I think Luka might get booed louder than he ever has I mean, the last yeah. time that these fans were in that arena, they witnessed quite, yeah, quite those, a lot. Yeah, those fans booed their own team. They yeah. didn't boo the Mavs. Yeah. yeah, I think this game means more to Phoenix than... I think a Phoenix win would mean more for the Suns than a win for Dallas because all the bad mojo around Phoenix right now, from ownership to Crowder to... DeAndre Ayton's weird situation. Um, the fact that they lost to, I don't even, what's the name of that team? The 36ers? Put some respect on their name, Isaac. <laughs> um, they can't go into this opener and just get smacked by Dallas again. There is a little bit for Dallas, though. Of, I think there's some national media that's kind of writing off Dallas because losing Brunson to where if they go in there and they beat Phoenix again, it's like, oh, okay, well, maybe they're going to be pretty good this year. So, um I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to all the Game 7 montages they'll be playing on the TV. Uh, just think of how invincible we're all going to feel, though, if Dallas goes in and wins by, like, 15. <laughs> oh, oh, it is going to be just amazing. Uh, what is your prediction? Mavs win, Mavs lose. Put a score to it. Put your name on it. This is official. This is real. I won't put a score on it, but I say Mavs win by double digits. Wow, okay. Whoa, all right. Come on, let's go. You got you got you got to be optimistic going into all the season. Right. That is a freaky fun prediction, Katya. This is also from the girl that said the Mavs are going to beat them in the series and That's true. You I did predict that. I was one of the few. I was one of the few. Well, as you're listening to the game uh, on the Freak on Wednesday, um, Shout out Coop. <laughs> shout out Coop. I'll go. Uh, I'll go a little low scoring, but I'll, I'll do like 104 to uh, 96 Dallas. Okay, I was gonna say 104 98, but now I can't do wow. that. Wow! I think I, I. You can't price this right. Though. I would like the Mavs to win the game, uh, 107 to 102. How about that? Okay. Mavs okay. won a close one. Sounds They're good. able to grind out a close one against the Suns. And they haven't won in in Phoenix in the regular season in quite some time. It's been. Ooh. 
many, 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 many years. years. So too many years. So coming up next, we're going to have a roundtable, a clip from a roundtable with Tim Cato and Austin Garuya. Uh, as part of that, at the end, we asked them, what will make this a successful season? Mm-hmm. What will make this a failure or the, an anti-success? <laughs> so Isaac, before we throw it to those guys, I want to ask you, in your opinion, this season will be a success if, and then this season will be a failure if? Yeah, a successful season for Dallas, I think you're looking at, uh, so much of it is playoff dependent or playoff matchup dependent, but I think it's second, second round or, West, or Western Conference Finals again. Um, a failure is if you don't get out of the first round for me. So if you don't win a series, huh? Yeah, I, I think it's a failure if you don't win a series. Wow. What if it's like game seven, but you lose at the buzzer? Yeah, that's a failure. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No moral victories. Sorry. No. Sorry. No. Kat- no. Katia, what about you? Failure <laughs> if, success if. Okay. Success if they come out strong out of the gate. So Mavs have had slow starts. I think it will be a complete success if, you know, they are going into uh, December with over 500, mm. you know, so Good. that because I, I think there's going to be those teams that are just not going to want to win. I don't use the word tank, but just not going to want to win. And there's going to be the teams that are like, OK, we're going for it. And I think by December, some of the teams that are going for it are going to be like, yeah, let's backtrack on that and let's just like kind of take a step back and maybe go for a couple more ping pong balls. <laughs> so I think going into December with a plus 500 record is going to set you up for a successful season, plus the chemistry. The chemistry has to be there. So adding the two new front court guys, super important. And uh, yeah, that makes it a success for me. What about a failure? Uh, no chemistry. Oh, no. Ooh. Yeah, I'm, not, just, I'm not a big science fan, so that's all about I might chemistry. fail this year. Cat's all about the chemistry. Yeah. Just chemistry like, lessons with Cat. Yeah. Bobby and Michaela, chemistry. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. Coming up next, we'll be joined by Tim Cato and Austin Garuya on 97.1 The Freak. Welcome back to Studio 41 Radio. This is The Corner 3. And earlier this week, Tim Cato from The Athletic and Austin Garuya from Dime Magazine stopped by and we chatted about a bunch of Mav stuff, season preview, and Christian Wood was a big topic on it. Take a listen. It is very similar to the start of last season. I mean, I guess the, the ball is better or, you know, adjusted or whatever. But in, in the sense that there's, there's two ball used to the balls. I, I, you know, everybody has to at some point in their lives. And it's just what, what is notable is that last season, you know, when they were starting with Doncic and, and Jalen Brunson and, you know, maybe a little bit of Trey Burke, those were the ball handlers. Their way around that was involving Kristaps Porzingis more in the offense. And we just saw that he couldn't do that. I don't, he's not a bad player. He, he definitely has value. But him being an offensive hub was not you know, within his skill set at this point of his career in a way that it might have been earlier. And I think Christian Wood is better suited to do that. You know, it's, 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 I think he's the most interesting player on the Mavericks. I, I think that all of the best-case scenarios involve him having just a fantastic year. Um, I think that there are scenarios that aren't as good, that, that are possible. But the idea of involving him as a, as a post-up player, as somebody who can even dribble here and there, who can lead a fast break, I think that's a really good place for the Mavericks to be. And I think it makes more sense than what they were trying to do to start last year. You brought a plan through him, too. Is he posting up, or what are you doing with him? Oh, I, I would post him up. I would use him as a pick-and-roll player. He honestly fits much more organically into the office than Porzingis did. I think a lot of times when they tried to isolate Porzingis or they tried to post him up, they really had to, like, like 
telegraph that they were going to post him up. It had to be. It was very mechanical and it wasn't very organic. And I think with Christian Wood, especially in the preseason, just these two games, you've seen that he's easily able to get his, his post up touches. He's able to get three point shots off pretty easily. And then he's a much better and more natural pick and roll player. So when he rolls to the rim, he has a lot of gravity going to the rim. And Luca is gonna, <laughs> he's gonna get more and more ambitious with the lobs and the passes he's gonna throw to Christian Wood as the season goes on because. He's never played with a pick-and-roll man as talented as Christian Wood. He's probably as good as Dwight Powell as a, as a role man and as good as a pick-and-pop player as Maxi Kleber. And then he can also do the in-between stuff. And I think he's going to really add a lot to the offense. He's going to score – I would say he probably scores 20 points a game just off Ooh. of easy – he's going to get so many easy baskets that he doesn't have to work for. When he was in Houston, he isolated a lot. I think he was like top six in isolation possessions for a big man. And he's not going to have to do that here. I mean, he can do it, and he can do it well, but – he doesn't have to do that here. He can just set a screen, roll, and he'll get the ball and have an easy layup, or he'll shoot a wide open three. And I think he's going to supplement a lot of the offense that Brunson, uh, that, that, that they lost with Brunson. And then I also think that with Dinwiddie, I think he's a little bit of a better creator than Brunson was as far as like a playmaker for the other players. And I think that's going to really benefit Christian Wood as well. So we awesome. I'm hyped. I'm I hyped. Know, yeah. Because we've seen we've seen Christian Wood in some action this preseason. Um, at the Thunder game, he had a double double, 16 points, 13 rebounds in just 25 minutes. And then Friday versus Magic, he had 23 points. He went eight for 12 from the floor and three of six from three. So I mean, is that good? That's that's pretty good. Yeah, that's super good. Um, he's definitely showing his versatile skill set and also being able to roll with being a perimeter threat, like we just talked about. So do you see him staying as the sixth man on this team, or do you see him kind of moving into a starter role eventually? What do you think, Tim? I, I think the best case scenarios that I mentioned when it, when it comes to Wood is him becoming a starter, you know, basically proving with, without any doubt, without any, like, like the fact that the coaching staff can't look at him and say, oh, yeah, we're going to keep you off the bench. If he just forces his way into the starting lineup, that's great for the Mavericks. Right now, I, I do think that it's going to take some time. I think that the there's trust that has to be earned from the coaching staff, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and it's been an emphasis. Uh, the Mavericks coaching staff says he's improving in that area. Um, you know, he knows Sean Sweeney. Uh, when, when Christian Wood broke out in Detroit, Sean Sweeney, uh, who's the defensive coordinator of the Mavericks, uh, he was also on that Pistons coaching staff. And they've been working out together this summer and they kind have. of rebuilding that exactly. you know, relationship. So. And so I, I think, you know, there, there is trust to be earned. I also think that athletic 6'10 basketball players tend to make an impact defensively. You know, it's, it's harder for them not to make an impact than it is, you know, for them to, uh, to really struggle on that end. And, and if Christian Wood can figure that out, there's no questions about his offense and how, how he's going to pair with, with Luca. I, I think, you know, that, that is all but certain. You know, the only question is exactly how you involve it. But defensively, you know, if he can also get, you know, even to an average role, um, yeah, I, I think I think he will be a starter at some point. Um, you know, and, and you have options to pair him with a JaVale McGee, who's more of a rim protector. You have options to pair him with Maxi Kleba, who would take, you know, the better big man assignment pretty much in any scenario. Like you would always be optimizing Christian Wood and who's he, who he's matched up against. And so I, I, I do, you know, in these best case scenarios, uh, Christian Wood starting can only be a good thing. And it, I think it's up to him and, and his development and, and how he plays, especially in the opening weeks. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think it's going to be instantaneous. But let's check back in around Christmas. You know, like that's around the time where I'm like really wanting to see whether the Mavericks are all in on Christian Wood. And I guess, quite frankly, whether Christian Wood is all in on the Mavericks. 
Yeah, they've played him quite differently this preseason where they've played him as the only big on the floor, and but then they've also played him alongside another big kind of as a four. So, Austin, I'm curious to know, like, how, where do you see him fitting in better, as a five or a four? I think I see him fitting in better as a four. I think, especially defensively, I think it's going to take some time for him to get up to speed. The Mavericks, they were so sound defensively last year, and I think it took them a while to really get those rotations down, and I don't think Kid really wants to uh, sacrifice any defense, especially early on in the season. But I think him playing against the Maxi Kleber is just the perfect fit. Um, and I think, I, honestly, I would probably keep him on the bench for most of the season. I think he actually, it's him coming off the bench is a much better, more natural rotation fit for them. And it allows him to kind of diversify their attacks. So when, when Luca starts with, with, with JaVale, they can kind of just play Luca ball. He can just run high pick and roll, kick off to shooters, and just do that for the first quarter of the game. And then they bring in Christian Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie and Tim Harwoodian, and they kind of diversify their attacks. So it kind of gives them two different looks because last year they had pretty much the same look for most of the game mm -hmm. and they couldn't really diversify their attack. And I think bringing Christian Wood off the bench kind of helps them both offensively and then helps them come in with Maxi Kleber on the defensive end and kind of shores up any, any mis misgivings he may have on that side. Yeah, I think uh, if he is coming off the bench, whether he's the four or the five, I guess it, it sort of depends. I think he's better suited playing with a guy like Maxi as opposed to, offensively I mean, playing with a guy like Maxi as opposed to a guy like McGee or Powell because for those non-shooting bigs, if they're not the guy setting the screen for Luka, it just really clogs things up. We saw it last year, Luka KP trying to run the pick and pop or pick and roll or whatever, and then you have Powell sort of lurking in the dunker spot. And then it's like KP wants a post up, Powell's there, Luka's trying to drive the lane. It's just like too many bodies. Uh, so offensively, I think for sure. And then defensively, I think he might fit better with Maxi too for the reasons y'all were saying. You know, you can put Maxi on the better player or off the bench if it's, if it's like Kleba, Josh Green, Tim, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. is not necessarily like this plus-plus defensive player in the way that Finney Smith or Bullock is, but he's athletic and can switch. You know, you surround Wood, just like you would want to surround Luka, with these versatile defenders, athletic guys, rangy guys, long wingspan that can help kind of cover up any, any sort of holes that there would be. But I think, you know, if it's obviously not as easy to make a one-to-one -one comparison big to small, but... You know, Jalen Brunson is not like this defensive stopper either. And they were able to have a top 10 defense playing him last year. And it's a lot easier, I think, as a big man to either hide or overcome any sort of defensive shortcomings because you are just really long and athletic and big. And you can just stand there and be a problem. Whereas Jalen last year, you know, was having to dodge screens and there's only, you can't get taller, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so there's a lot of things that he could not do to be better, but the effort was there. Wood has this extraordinary athletic ability. And so if the effort is there, and if the desire and willingness to communicate is there, you can call out all the stuff, you know, Dwight Powell, not the perfect defender, but he does communicate. You know, yeah. uh, we know JaVale is going to come in here and communicate. Maxi and Jalen, they kind of got mixed up a couple times because maybe they wouldn't communicate. But if you can talk, then you can fit in on the defensive end. I, I think you, you just put forth the effort. So I think surrounding him with switchy guys, rangy guys, plus, you know, plus defenders, mm -hmm. I think does a lot to overcome any sort of shortcomings. Uh, yeah, at least early in the season, I think it's we're going to see him most. We're going to see Christian Wood most with Maxi. Uh, I think we're going to see him some with JaVale. And I think him as the only center is going to be, I don't think it's ever going to be something planned or, or not consistently planned. And it will be something that Jason Kidd goes to based off game states and maybe very specific matchups that he's seeing on the court. And yeah, I mean, like, if you're right. playing the Wolves and it's Gobert at the five, like, yeah. let's spread the floor. We yeah. saw them do it to the Jazz. Right. You know, it's, yeah. it's only Maxi and only Wood. But, the but even then, you're probably still playing Maxi there, right? You know, you're playing Maxi yeah. with Christian Wood. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if teams go small, I, I think there are instances where it's going to make sense to try that. 
And if it goes well, then we're going to keep seeing more of it. But you know, when, when I say things like, like earning trust, like I, I think that's an example of something that you know, we're just not going to see it in, in heavy doses and in heavy minutes. It's not going to be something the Mavericks uh, plan around frequently for you know, like 20 minutes per game. I think it's going to be a lot of two, two big men on the court. Uh, pretty much any time it's not the starting five you know, where, it's, where it's just JaVale out there. I think it'll be kind of a little bit like when they played Dorian at the five last year, where they, you kind of just I was use, thinking it, of that. Yeah. use it when you, when you can, when you think you can get away with it, but I don't think it will be like an everyday, every game thing. Right. So is he on. closing games then, or what? That's, I'm really interested to see what, what, what they do to close games. I think he will end up closing games, but I'm interested to see what five closes the first mm-hmm. clutch game. Because it's honestly, it's I, I don't who would you start as your five or close as your five? I, I mean, who are you playing? If you're going up against Embiid, then like I'm not asking Christian Wood to guard Embiid down the stretch, you know. But if you're going up against like Bruce Brown isn't on the Nets anymore, but like the Nets with Bruce Brown at the five, then like I'm putting athletes on the floor, or even Ben you know? Simmons, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's a, well, he's a point guard, Tim. I think on the offensive side, too, just having a big who is very versatile in that, uh, especially with, like, the Mavs, I think a, a big thing that the Mavs do is they have driving guards, right? So the guards, like, love to drive to the basket. They either take it or they kick it out. So being able to have, you know, the option to kick it out to Christian on the perimeter, I think that's really important as well. That was such a good time. Thank you so much to Tim and Austin for joining us here in the studio. If you want to catch the full interview or the full roundtable, make sure to go check it out on the Mavs YouTube channel. It's the first of many that we'll be doing this season. Um, Isaac, hopefully you can join us for one coming up, but I would love to hear your thoughts on Christian Wood. Christian Wood is so fascinating this season. The, you know, the, you go back to the trade. We've talked about it a million times about the whole prove it thing. Nico saying he has to prove it. We got to prove it to him. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. And the, the opinions on him just vary so much that I think if you want to be in the pro camp, you can talk yourself into the, hey, the talent, the situations he's been in in the past. He's never been on this winning situation like he's going to be in in Dallas. Um, he's never played with like, I mean, he's played with James Harden, but like playing with a guy like Luca, running pick and roll. Like if you want to believe in Christian Wood, you can be in that camp. If you don't want to believe in Christian Wood, you can talk yourself into all that. Like, hey, can he play winning basketball on a good team? He's already, you know, he's tweeting about being an all-star, but he's going to come off the bench. Can he buy into being a six-man? He's just such a polarizing player. I think he's the most polarizing player for the Mavericks this season for Mavs fans in general because I think the, the wide range of outcomes for him is so wide that he could lead the league. I agree with Austin. Austin's saying that he thinks he's going to come off the bench for, the, for most of mm-hmm. the year, all the year. I agree with that. I think yeah. he is the six-man for this team. What, what is the end game with him this season? I am, I am so – I don't even know what my prediction would be. But he has the talent, and this is the situation for him. Will he buy into it? That's the question. I think he's kind of the secret weapon, right? Like you don't really know what, how, or what's going on with him, how the Mavericks are going to use him. But I think, like Bobby said, he's very matchup friendly. So he can be the five – in the smaller matchups, he can be the four alongside another big in those big two-man lineups. So I think he's just very, very versatile in the way that you can use him, in the way that he will be played. But I think him coming off the bench kind of gives you that secret weapon type of mentality with him. Like, you don't really know how he's going to be used, but once he comes out, he's going to make a difference.
feel like it's been a really long time since the Mavs have had anybody like that. Yeah. Like, you don't know what their what role gonna really do? is going to be. You don't know really how they're going to be used. Yeah. You have no idea what to expect. It's been a really, really long time. I mean, maybe even since, like, trading for Jason Terry because oh, wow. Jason Terry yeah. was really good on very bad Hawks teams, or I guess he was very productive on, on Hawks teams that lost a lot. All of a sudden, he comes here, and he did start for a little while, but mm-hmm. it was kind of point guard, kind of alongside Devin Harris, and then not really. Harris ended up moving to the bench, and it was Terry kind of playing point guard, but never really felt like it was like the right thing. And then a couple years later, Rick becomes the head coach, and he moves to the bench, and that's sort of where he really kind of made a name for himself as like contributing to winning, even though he's a great player on a lot of really good teams. But, I mean, there aren't many guys like that that have come through here. I feel like Jed is a major success story. I guess the guys that they traded for from the Wizards in 2010, too, guys like Brennan Haywood, Karan yeah. Butler, like they hadn't been on a lot of winning teams, and then they were all very good here, too. So, you know, there's always a little bit of risk, but, like, the payoff could be just immense. Coming to a team with a winning culture can change, can change a player. Yeah, it's like, is he a better overall talented player than JaVale McGee? Yes, he has more overall talent than JaVale. But it's also, you also see why, like, these defined roles are so important for teams that you've seen what worked last year. Why Jason Kidd said at Summer League, hey, Spencer's going to start, JaVale's going to be our starting center. Because they have these defined roles. The second ball handler next to Luka and that Spencer's going to step into the Brunson role. That JaVale's going to step into the Dwight Powell role as this upgrade, as this rim-rolling guy, defending the paint, rebounding. Like, they have these very defined roles for each of the spots around Luka in the starting lineup to when then you can bring a Christian Wood off the bench and say, just go get buckets. Like, do what you do best. Score a lot of points. Be the sixth man. So, I like the role that they have for him. I love the prove-it scenario and all of that. Kat, obviously Luca is the most important player, that goes without saying, mm-hmm. but beyond him is Christian Wood kind of the, the guy that has the most influence on determining where this thing goes this season? I think so. I, I, I think so, because I think if he and Luca get off to a good start where, you know, the, the pick and roll, the lobs are there and everything like that, I think, I think he has a big role in the success of the team. I'll, I'll disagree a little bit with Kat and say I don't, I think there is a world that if it doesn't work out, the Mavericks could still be really good. That I think their starting five is going to be really good at, yeah. just because of all the defined roles. Who then, is the starting five, though? Yeah, well, JaVale and Spencer with, with Reggie and Dorian. Okay. Dinwiddie, okay. So yeah. you're saying Dinwiddie. Yes, yes, okay. yes. And to where, like, what if Tim comes out this year and is just killing it, and he is like a defined like six-man type of microwave scorer like a Jason Terry or something like that? I think if he came out and was super efficient, a really good scorer, <clears throat> combined with Maxi and like a step from Josh Green and all that, like if Christian Wood didn't work out, I think that would still be enough for the team to be really, really good. So does it raise the ceiling of this Mavericks team if Christian Wood is the best version of him and fully bought in? Absolutely. If Christian Wood doesn't work out, I still think the floor for this team is really high. The ceiling is the I roof like for Christian I like Wood. It. <laughs> the ceiling is the roof. All right, Katya. <laughs> It's time to step into the cat's corner. Welcome. And this week, oh, yes. we're heading across the pond to the north of Wales. Yes. What's going on? So I've been watching uh, Welcome to Wrexham, and I am so into it. I love the story. I love the way the the documentary is developing. Just an interest in this fifth division English football team. So uh, for those of you who are not familiar, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney. 
uh, uh, paid. Sense. Yeah, Ryan they Reynolds. Paid. I'm a big Blake Lively fan, so you know I gotta support the Hubs. Hot, hot, <laughs> hot couple, hot couple. Yeah, very much so. So back in 2020, they uh, got together. So this team is owned by the public. So they got together with um, like 2,000 people in 2020 via Zoom, and they offered to contribute 2.5 million. It's the third oldest football club in the world. So I mean, it's got it's and it's fifth tier, so it's not Premier League. It's not even you know they don't have a chance of really making it into Premier League. But so it is. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is like the type of team that if you're starting a FIFA, like a franchise mode on FIFA. Yes, you want to start there and you want to yeah. build them up to the Premier League. Yeah. Yes. Like a Ted Lasso team? Like so th this honestly, is like the yes. real world Ted Lasso, 100%. <laughs> okay. So they, they did the Netflix style documentary. They invested in the team. They were 20th when they first started. Like four years ago, they were in 20th place. And then they made some moves, brought in some key players. They made social media moves. They now have hyped them up. They also signed a 25-year lease to where they're playing to make sure that the fans know that they're committed to staying there. And they have tripled mm. their their season ticket sales. So not only that, but they've also like gotten their kit sponsorships by TikTok, Expedia, Vistaprint. So I mean wow. they're by TikTok. By TikTok, yeah. That's a big get. Do they yeah. uh, are they in the same division as uh Balval Garris' team? No, no, that's <laughs> that's in Spain. That's oh, okay, in Spain. okay. We'll see who gets to the yeah, highest yeah. levels I of the of the nation one. first. So to me, what's really cool about it is that they're not, like I said, they're not trying to make it into the Premier League, but they are, you know, just like creating a really cool community. And now they have like worldwide attention because Americans have been getting into the soccer game the, in ownership and everything. So like from LeBron to in Liverpool, Chelsea has American mm. owners and everything like that. So I just think it's really cool that these two guys were like, hey, let's become the like real life Ted Lasso. Go over here, invest in this team, keep it in the community, and the, and then you see the fans in the show, and it's they're such real fans, and it's so beautiful to watch like them from literally like losing, being twentieth, and now they're second, two years in a row, second in their league. So shout out! I've seen yeah. the first couple episodes of the show, but is is the show good? It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. And then you see, uh, you just get to see behind the scenes of like Rob and Ryan and it's just it's very it's very cool to see just the curtain peeled back on these guys I know Bobby's about to give a hot take but uh real quick hot take The Proposal my favorite rom-com ever really, really good movie dude In incredible I'm so glad you said that okay. I, love it. I watch it every time it's on the TV I'm like all right let's do it let's watch it was it. one of the few movies that I've seen in theaters twice The wow. Proposal. I worked in a movie theater that so it was free <laughs> that and the Pokemon movie What's I saw your, that about 15 Bob, times. you got a hot take for us today? All right, I'm coming out. I'm coming out hot. I'm coming out roasting with mm. my hot take today. Ready. I didn't get a chance to deliver one last week, but this is a heat check. If I give a take and y'all don't like it, you can hit me with a technical foul. Okay. But the floor is mine for 24 seconds. So pipe down. Let me talk about Brussels sprouts. You got about 48 seconds. Brussels sprouts are the best vegetable, <laughs> and it's not even close. It's not even close. Oh That's really my hot take. That's all there is. I've had to get more into eating healthy lately for medical stuff. And uh, my God, if I'm not just thrilled every time I decide to make Brussels sprouts, air fryer, roasted, baked, whatever, you get them crispy, you just get them nice. And, oh, my God, they're just so good. That's it. That's my take. Brussels sprouts are the best vegetable. Yeah, I like, you know, I think Brussels sprouts is kind of like for rabbits. So okay, all right. Wow. I don't know that a technical foul. <laughs> um, I would do like a Cane Fitzgerald tea, but he's not a ref anymore. So uh, 
Yeah, that's totally out of bounds. Get out of here with that garbage. I'm, I, I'm with you. Sprouts? I, I love Russell Sprouts. What do you shop at Sprouts? Speaking of out of bounds, Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball is going to join us next. <laughs> It is Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak. You are listening to The Corner 3. I'm Bobby Corella, joined by Kati Vialba and Isaac Harris. Our number two. We're going to throw it to a segment that didn't have a name until about five seconds ago. <laughs> but I'm going to give it a name. It's called People Are Saying. Oh, I like it. We're going to bring in guests from outside of Studio 41 Percent My Chime. I like off it. Off the beaten path. And we're starting... With a dude who is even more online than I am, and likes to yell at people. Yeah, but he no, but he's a he's a he's but he's a, a great guy. He's like, a great yeah, dude. He he's just, a great dude. He just gets he's very passionate. It's spy. If you embrace debate, <laughs> then you'll love my relationship with Kirk Henderson. <laughs> Kirk Serious Face on Twitter, editor in chief of Mavs Moneyball. Um, the dude has put in a lot of work to bring as much content as possible to Mavs fans over the years. For sure. We had a really good conversation about the communal experience of watching and enjoying basketball, along with. A little talk about Luca because we, we haven't really <laughs> talked about him much lately. So uh, let's throw it to Kirk and see what he has to say about all things Mavs. Joining me now, Mavs Moneyball Editor-in-Chief and just general man of the internet, it's the great Kirk Henderson. Kirk, how are you, man? You know, Bobby, I am doing pretty good. Thanks for asking. Oh, well, thank you for joining me. Uh, Kirk is fighting through a little illness to make his radio debut. So he's he's digging deep, just like Willis Reed in Game 7 and, and so many other great players over the years. So, Kirk, you are a, a true superhero. Well, I'm just happy to be here. I'm really ready to talk Mavs. I'm really ready for this season to get started. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun, man. So give me – we're going to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you're doing, especially like the, the live stuff, the post-game react stuff, which is great, uh, over at Mavs Moneyball. But first, let's take a few minutes. What's – What's one or two things this preseason that have really caught your eye? Of course, there's a lot of big storylines going around, but guys now are being cut, sort of the roster's being trimmed down. So like it's it's go time now. So what are the what are a couple of things that are just stuck in your mind? Well, the obvious one, and I just need to get this out of the way, is 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 how good Luca looks. Uh, I wrote a preview that's up on Mavs Moneyball that that is literally titled "Can We Make the Whole Plane Out of Luka Doncic?" <laughs> I I fully expect this to be an outstanding year for Luka, an MVP year. I have put placed bets down on him to win the MVP. I'm really excited. My friend Jared Dubin at uh, 5:38 wrote this yesterday in in kind of the projections piece that they do for players. It's it's up on 538.com. Quote, Luka Doncic's closest comparables for this season include 2003 Tracy McGrady, 2009 LeBron James, and 2002 Kobe Bryant, among others. That is lofty company to keep. Wow. Yeah. So I went from being, you know, really pumped about Luka because I believe in Luka and we've just seen it to the when projection systems like 538 pump that out based on Luca's usage and the things they think he can do it's really something i don't think proper context has been paid to how good luca did the final 40 something games after he returned from the ankle injury and covid absence he averaged like 39 and 9 i mean he was unreal he is going to be an absolute force to reckon with and the, he just it was, I know it was against the Magic. I know it was one quarter, but he looked unstoppable. There's just, there's always something new that he's trying. And basketball comes so easy to him at times that I think we can almost not appreciate how good he looks. And I, I'm just really excited. It's interesting that you went to Luca there first because 
Earlier this week, we had a roundtable. Tim Cato and Austin Garuya joined me and Katya. And we talked for like more than an hour. We mentioned Luca maybe collectively like five times. Like we were talking about everyone else. And then we only realized at the very end, like we haven't talked about this 77 guy at all. We're not too far removed from every podcast being about Luca all the time. And so it, that just got me thinking, like, are we already at the take Luca for granted because he's so freaking good and like just predictably awesome? I mean, to a degree, but then what's going to happen is he's going to pull out a hook shot in a real NBA game from about 15 feet, and then he's going to smile, he's going to shrug his <laughs> shoulders, and we're going to remember that this man is is just a true MVP candidate and a showman. And, you know, we've talked for years. Dirk was so much fun to watch, but Dirk was like a prime competitor. And I don't, you know, the show was kind of a byproduct of how good he was. Like Luca takes this stuff. Like he is intense. I mean, I, I just, I love watching how competitive he gets with, with particular things and how he takes things personally, you know, it ups like the drama factor because then he shows up and performs and, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this year because I, I suspect after the the world um, the, the Euro basket performance where things kind of went down poorly for uh, Slovenia I think he he's going to come in ready to play and they're going to need it I mean we keep talking about how important it is to get off to a good start what is one maybe a lingering question or a lingering concern maybe that's not the obvious thing right we've talked about three ball handlers all the time but what is like one not obvious, not extremely apparent concern about this thing that you have now that we're on the eve of the season getting underway. Um, can the Mavericks get Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock playing well at the same time? Maybe not necessarily on the floor together, but have them both playing outstanding basketball within the Mavericks uh, teamwork. Uh, because if you look at sort of the game, you know, the game logs, Reggie Bullock didn't take off, like really take off until end of January. Well, what was one of the things that happened at end of January? Tim Hardaway went down with the season ending injury. They're both volume shooters. And I think the Mavericks need to find a way to get both of them a significant number of looks because Tim, I think he's really important to this team. You know, the uh, Nico Harrison has talked about how he's kind of like getting a free agent. You know, that is what it is. But he he hasn't played with the Mavericks since they were playing really, really well. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he can fit within what they're trying to do. Um, I think a lot of his minutes were tied to Chris Stapp's Porzingis last year. And, you know, understanding that that's it just a lot of that just didn't work and how they fit him uh in you know the the rotation while also still getting a lot of looks and opportunities for reggie bullock who was just a true x factor down the stretch for dallas is something i'm keeping my eye on the mavs have a lot of shooters they have a lot of guys that will shoot the ball but they need a lot of guys making the ball especially if you're only going to have two true playmakers you need to surround them with as much space as possible and as many guys that can knock down open shots as possible so getting those guys on track is going to be super important all right kirk for those who don't know, maybe you only watch the games on TV, for example, and then, you know, once once Dana and crew sign off on the Valley Sports postgame show, you're like, all right, time to go to bed. Or maybe you don't <laughs> live in Dallas. Maybe you live overseas, whatever. Well, for those who don't know, Kirk and Josh Bowe and, and the folks at Mavs Moneyball, you're turning out postgame pods after every game. And that usually, in addition to, you know, writing your postgame recaps or whatever, that usually takes 35, 40 minutes. And so, you know, oftentimes the Bally post game is over and that's whenever your post 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 game show starts. So it's either group therapy, 
or a Mavs postgame party, whether they win or lose, can you just talk about what it is that you do uh, with fans after games and, and how people can tune in, how people can join the conversation with you guys? Sure. So if you're a basketball lunatic like I am, chances are at some point over the course of uh, your life on uh, with available internet access, you've stumbled across Twitter, DallasBasketball.com, message boards, Facebook, whatever, and you're talking basketball with somebody. Well, for years and years, I spent a significant portion of my life after games talking with people on social media about basketball. And unfortunately, those conversations had a tendency to turn just really frustrated if the Mavericks lost or, you know, tone is never really, it's just not the same online. And about two years ago, I got an opportunity to use this platform, which eventually has become Spotify Live, where we at Mavs Moneyball host sort of live post-game shows. And really, it's it's a, it's a an opportunity for you to just come talk basketball with other fans. There's a chat room, and I bring people up to kind of ask questions, to vent, um, just to, to sort of figure out what things about the game you liked, and really just sort of talk whatever Mavericks-related talk you want to you want to get off your chest. And what we found, and this is what I really love about the platform, is we found Mavericks fans from all over the world. We've had callers from Australia, from India, from Slovenia, from Italy, from Spain, from England in the middle of the morning. It's it's really incredible where there are these Mavs fans who just want to be part you know, of, of some sort of community and want to talk to other Mavs fans, not type to them. So we end up hanging out usually at least an hour every every game afterwards, which, you know, I have a day job, so it's pretty stupid of me to do this 82 times to 100 times a year. But I just I get a real kick out of it because I for a long time I lived outside the state and, you know, I just wanted to talk about basketball with somebody. And it's it's allowed me to, you know, sort of bring people to, together, which is, you know, you watch sports for community, in my opinion, and to have fun. Yeah. And I'll see tweets. You all get home from the arena at like. 12 in the morning or whatever and i'll see a tweet from you saying we're still going it's still we're we're still talking you know win or lose it's just well, the people post-game really want to talk bananas like when when the mavericks beat the suns in game seven i'm pretty sure we went for three hours just for no because it's just <laughs> like it was mad like it was um, and i call those shows i call the the ones where we win mavs party and i call the ones where the mavericks lose group therapy um because people just sort of want to talk it out and it's it's always a great time because mavs fans are uh are crazy people and people pop in too. I mean, I've seen like Mark Steinle go in there every now and then. I mean, you'll you'll pull some names and, That's, uh, and have yeah, some fun with them. That always cracks me up. Like Brian Damaris has joined us a few times, and other people that really like covering basketball. And it's it's just a it's like wait, what? Other people are looking in on this, and it's just a reminder that like on the internet, there's there's you know there's something for everybody if you really want to seek it out. And we've had fun. You know, we get you know two to 200, 400, 1,000 people in these rooms. It's a great time. And so if people don't know what we're talking about, you have to download an app to use this thing. Do you have to make an account? Is it free? Do you have to pay for it? What, how can it's people free. join? Spotify Live. Uh, it's just an app just like Spotify. They're eventually going to tie it into the Spotify app, but Lord knows when that'll happen. And then you can get on there and, and look for me, Kirk Henderson 35. But I, you know, I post on Twitter about it and, you know, we, we, I'm pretty aggressive about uh, it. It sends you a notification if you follow me when we go live and I'm pretty annoying about getting people to show up because I, I just, I want to talk basketball. My wife you're, is sick and tired of hearing me talk about basketball. You're not annoying. You're persistent. <laughs> That's the word. Um, any, any, any final words, man? Any parting shots before we get out of here? Nah, man. Thanks for having me on. I hope you come back. Absolutely. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks to Kirk for joining me. Really appreciate you, man. Kirk was also at the Roller Town. 
that event was so last fun. night. Yeah, that was a really good time. Um, so the the thing that stands out is Isaac, you're sort of one foot in Studio Forty One, the other foot really like foot and a half. You're like one toe in Studio Forty One, and and the rest of them in Locked On Mavs. But you know the Raccoon Squad runs deep, and you guys have your own community. You know Katya, we're much younger in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Studio Forty One is, but we've developed our own community a little bit online, and especially on Twitch. Shout and out Twitch gang. Yeah, and Mavs so Moneyball, you know, both online in their in their chats and their forums, whatever. But then also in the Spotify lives that Kirk does after games. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so many different ways that fans experience the Mavs, and some of them, I'm sure, listen to Locked On Mavs and Studio Forty One and Kirk. Some might just yeah. like Kirk. Some might just like you guys. Like, there's just so many different ways to be a fan, and all of them are still relatively new. And so I feel like there's a whole bunch of people that just might not even be aware that all this stuff exists. It's crazy how, as <clears throat> whether this is healthy or unhealthy, people want to be connected to their team every day, all the time, and like even five days a week. Five days a week, even lockdown Mavs. It's like, I remember when we first started and first took it over. Nick called me and he's like, "I know it's every day," and I remember I was walking out of a John Legend concert with my wife, and I was like, "We get in the car," and I'm like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And it's like it's every day. I'm a night owl. It's like thirty minutes. Uh, that was six years ago. I've done it every day for <laughs> six years. <laughs> this, is, well, this is starting year six. Um, but it's just crazy. I, I never thought, you know, fans would just want it so much. They want, when we, if we miss an episode, you get DMs, you know, in the middle of the night. Hey, I'm on third shift. Where's the pod? Like, where, where is it at? Um, or even like YouTube. It's like, you know, I'm kind of, I feel like I'm like on the edge of the YouTube like wave that I don't watch YouTube at home a ton. I don't watch it on my TV. But like when when we start a YouTube channel, it's like I was skeptical about it. It's like call me like old man, get off my lawn or whatever. But I'm like, all right, I'm seeing our podcast downloads, audio, and all of that. It's like, do people really want to watch? Why do we need to put audio on video? I don't. Why do we really want to watch this on YouTube all the time? And we did, and now it's like we passed eighteen thousand subs the other day, and I think we've Ooh, done like flex on them. I think we've done like four point five million since we started the our show last spring. So I've never would have thought that while still like growing a, a podcast audio platform. And it's just a, it's a testament by saying, dang, people just want it. Like they just can't get enough of content for their favorite sports team, whether it's writing audio video, sign them up. It's like hook it to their veins. They, they want it so bad. It's almost like a drug that they just want it so bad. I think that's, do you think that's a change or do you think people always wanted that? They just never had the, the ways to get it. I think people always want to be part of a community, yeah. right? And Kati, that's what that's I was going to ask you is you. like, you know, again, yeah. we're, the Twitch stream is young and we have very modest viewership numbers and stuff, but people did watch every day. And like, we, we met RBZ, this guy that's a, a regular in the Twitch chat. I mean, he came um, up and he was like, hi, this is my, you know, and introduced himself by his real name. He's like, I watch the Twitch stream a lot. And we were like, oh, what's your ad? He's like, RBZ. And we we're like, oh my God. I, I mean, they, we know you. Like, yeah, like yeah. he has been inside my living room, you know, yeah. and yeah. like after wins, whether it's after wins or the, the morning after a loss or whatever, <laughs> like people in there get to know each other too. It's not yeah. just like the Twitch chatters know us. It's like they get to know each other. Yeah, because I mean now like people will come in there and they'll have their own conversations with each other, but they know each other through this yeah. one platform that we provided and the space that we provided. And I think that's so cool because building a community is really what it's all about, right? So you guys have your community that, you know, you feel like you get to know these people and you share this common interest. And I just think it's so just healthy and just 
good and just fun. I, I love it. I think especially over COVID that yes. people were so thirsty for relationships that the amount of people I've met at games, at Rollertown last night, anytime I meet a listener of the show and they're like, I feel like I just know you. I feel like yeah. we're friends and we've never even met before. I, you know, we started doing the pod before we, have, we had a house or kids. Now I have two kids, a dog and a house over the span of just, and I've talked about all of that over the course of the past five years. And it's like, people feel connected to you. They want to feel connected to how they're getting their content. It's not just about, okay, cool. We like hearing you talk about the Mavs, but I, I like you as a person. I want to hear about your, your life too. It's being able to connect with, with listeners. I love man. that. It's cool. Yeah. And the reason that Kirk, for example, began making stuff, writing stuff, hosting stuff is because he lived in Washington, D.C. for a very long time mm -hmm. uh, with his girlfriend who became his wife. She likes the Mavs, but isn't, you know, she's not like clinging on to every possession, you yeah. know. And Kirk would get frustrated or get overjoyed and then just not really have someone An to outlet. talk about. Yeah, and she was like, just start writing. Just go do something, you know. And so whether it's a creative outlet or just joining a community where you have a bunch of people to talk to, if you're just a fan or if you're a content creator or a podcast mm -hmm. host or whatever, um, it's just fun to be a part of something. And COVID definitely drove that home. I mean, I, I didn't start watching anything on Twitch until uh, COVID began, and I was at home alone, and I wanted to kind of, yeah. you know, I, I don't engage in Twitch chat on the streams I watch, but it's just nice to know that I do have something in common with a lot of other people. It's just, I don't know, there's, there's like a sense of belonging, and it just is more fun, especially if you're like Kirk, living out of Dallas, living out of America. There's so many people that, Watch yeah. Mavs games in the dead yeah. of night in yeah. Europe or in Asia or in Australia or in Africa. Like there's people all over the world, maybe even in Antarctica, that just love the Mavs. Yeah. Um, that might not know anybody else that loves the Mavs too. South America, I don't want to leave you guys out. Uh, Argentina, shout out. But uh, <laughs> shout my, my, out. my wife from Brazil is going to be coming after you. <laughs> oh, okay, oh, no, I don't want to. Uh, but there's just so many people that experience basketball or experience their favorite show or their favorite band or whatever just alone and isolated, and that's okay. It's Loneliness can be fine at times, um, but it's just much more enjoyable whenever you're, you're part of something bigger. Yeah. And, and Luca, you know, if we want to transition to Luca here, the going from Dirk to Luca, it's almost unfair, you know, for, for a fan We're base. Spoiled. Uh, we we are. are spoiled because you look at a franchise like the Kings, and it's like they're still looking for, you know, sorry, we're just taking shots at the Kings. but They got the bonus. Yeah, they got Sabonis. And, you know, we watched Dirk leave in Luca's first season. It's like, what did we do to deserve this overlap of this, like, clean transition to the next global superstar of, of I mean, Luka that Donkey? year of overlap was just... Oh, my gosh. Incredible. All the so memories. Cool. It was I remember incredible. saying that year, I'm like, man, this is such a special moment in a year that they're going to overlap that you try not to take that for granted of... Dirk and Luca yeah. playing together. The further we get away from that, the the more nostalgia and importance that's that was gonna my feel. first year traveling with the team, and so I got to see. You know, you get to you just see a lot of it, and it's just really, really heartwarming. Just it's to gonna be see, like twelve yeah. years from now, and there's gonna be people saying, "Wait, they? I forgot they played together. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's so crazy!" And yeah, the I mean, pictures they, on the court, they overlap just a little bit. His amazing rookie season, his amazing twenty first. Um, like I asked Kirk, are we kind of already at the, we're sort of over how good Luca is? Like, are we already kind no. of taking him for granted? No, never. 
But I think there is other storylines, and, you know, you cover that. And I, I think Jason Kidd said it perfectly. Last year, he said, whenever people ask me about Luca, I'm going to find a way to turn it around and talk about the other players. Because, you know, everyone knows Luca's good. Everyone knows that he, it's his team. But, you know, you also have to remember that there's 15 other guys on this roster. Yeah. And so I think I think we don't take Luca for granted, but I, I think that it's important to also discuss the other guys. I don't think we take his talent for granted. No. But I do think we take him as a whole for granted whenever we want to focus more on the other narratives and storylines more than how good he is. Whenever he's playing at an MVP and he's a superstar once-in-a-generation player and 80% of our conversation is, well, is he going to leave at the end of his next contract? And, well, what about the roster? And it's like we're, we want to argue and focus all of our time around the storylines and narratives or negatives around Luca's career, overall career. That's where I think sometimes we lose the present moment of just how special he is. Or the positives, even too, like to the point of toxicity. Like Luca's so good. Who are these bums that are playing alongside him? Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know if Luca's a polarizing figure within the Mavs fan base, but <laughs> like there are, you got your Luca fans, you got your Mavs fans. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. And hopefully the overlap will happen the way that Dirk and Luca's careers overlapped. But yeah, it's challenging. He's so good. He's so one of a kind. He's he's truly a once in a generation, once in a lifetime kind of yeah. player. It is hard to just believe that we get to watch him every single night. Like we're spoiled. I mean, we're we've said it a million times. We are so spoiled. I mean, we could be watching Dennis Smith Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr. every night. So, I mean, that would be fun in its own way. Bobby loves DSJ. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. be fun in its own way. But uh, I'll take this timeline uh, 11 yeah. times out of 10. Yeah. So uh, coming up next, we're going to go around the NBA. We're going to revisit the storylines from our step back three. But we're also going to make some bold predictions. Ooh. About the Mavs, about other teams, about everything. We're going to put our reputations on the line right here in Studio 41 on 97 1 The Freak. Let me go get my crystal ball. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Is it going to get witchy in here? <laughs> we'll see. Oh, it's the fourth quarter on Studio 41 Radio on 97 1 The Freak. Bobby, Katya, and Isaac, it's business time. This is when games are won and lost. And we got some bold predictions to make coming up. We're putting our reputations on the line. We're letting it all hang out there. But first, let's go around the NBA to set the table a little bit. We talked about some top storylines that are really kind of dominating our consciousness these last few days. Katya, you mentioned the Lakers. They're all over the internet. Yeah, what's going on? What is... That's my question. I want to know what's going on. I mean... It, is the team chemistry there? Is I mean, what's going on with Russell Westbrook? Westbrook, uh, him and Pat Bev, are they going to get along? Like, you saw that video of of Pat just trying to gather <laughs> everyone in that defensive huddle, and Russ just like comes over. Russ was talking to coaches. Mm. Oh, okay. Is that said. what came out? That's okay. what he said. And then also pregame, he was in the huddle to begin with, but then as they were getting hyped up, he kind of like went and did his little pregame routine where he like runs to the corner, screams, and then. I don't know. I, uh, they're guard heavy. Well, now Russ is going to be the sixth man, too. How many games is AD going to play? I got a lot of questions. Laker Nation. I got <laughs> a lot of questions. A lot. So are you not all in on the Lakers returning to glory this season no. or what? No. I'm, I'm out. No. Prediction no. number yeah. one. No. Yeah. It's not happening. It's all not right. happening. I would, be, I would be surprised if they 
make the plan. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. Hashtag washed yeah. king. Heard it here. No, not washed king. <laughs> it, it, it's up to LeBron. It is up to LeBron. I mean, LeBron has a lot of milestones that he can reach this year. I think he's going to be playing well. I think he's going to be playing hard. But a lot of shop episodes. How many games is he really going to play? How many games is AD going to play? This should be AD's team by now. It's not. Yep. Questions linger. Problems persist. I'm very heated about this. I just realized. <laughs> Holy moly. Really <laughs> you got a lot to say about the I Lakers. Really I really do. <laughs> uh, all right, Isaac. The Mavs are playing the Lakers on Christmas Day. That's a 2.30 central tip-off, I think, in about... About a Lord of the Rings Return of the King before the game, oh, yes. we're going to be doing some unveiling. Yeah, so uh, Chopper said earlier that it's almost destiny at this point. It's gonna have, we're going to have bad weather on Christmas because... Snow, baby, let's go! <laughs> let's go. Anytime something important is being unveiled or something's happening that... Uh, Remember when Dirk was pulling the street sign off and it was so windy? I was like, oh my gosh! He got on a forklift and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. No. Oh my god. <laughs> but yes, Christmas Day uh, that morning... We're going to finally get the Dirk Nowitzki statue. Let's go. This is such a, what a, you know, some kids are out there getting coal in their stockings. If you get coal, you can just come up to the arena and you can see Dirk's statue. And are we for sure 100% we know what it looks like? Is it the mock-up that we saw? I hope it looks the same. Dirk was, Dirk approved of the whole thing. So okay, well it's not going to look like, if, if he doesn't like it, it's not going to look like it. Then that's the only thing that matters. If Dirk likes it, then I like it. Yeah, I'm with you. If Dirk likes it, I like it. Yeah, so le 11 a.m. that morning, it's going to be streamed on Mavs.com. Mm -hmm. If you're uh, chilling mm -hmm. at home in your mm -hmm. matching Christmas uh, pajamas, you can watch it on Mavs.com and uh, <laughs> enjoy all the... Do you guys do matching Christmas pajamas? We did last year for the first time. Oh. Did we buy ours the other day, and did I buy one for my dog? Yes, I did. Ooh. Make fun of me all you want. Do they have, like... Footsies, or are you wearing socks? Are you going barefoot? No, I ain't wearing, I'm wearing slippers. No footsies? <laughs> no onesies. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Just adult onesies. Hey. Uh, will you tear up that day? Yes. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what kind of ceremony it's going to be. That's, will there be speeches? Will it just be a, hey, you know, this is happening kind I'm of thing? I'm such an empath know. that anytime someone's like feeling some type <clears throat> of way, I just absorb it. It comes out with like a tear. <laughs> I said I'm an empath. I am. <laughs> yeah, so they, they landed on the fadeaway, you know, with the three balls. Weird as that. Um, on the, you know, we saw the little statue during the Jersey retirement. I heard there was a rumor that it could be one of him standing over Dwayne Wade, but um, <laughs> I guess they opted against that one. Um, I would have been a huge fan of that one. But I mean, just think of all the extra materials you would need to <laughs> make a statue of a whole other guy. <laughs> you know, this would be, this would be a massive statue. No, they're friends statue. now. They're and then he couldn't now. get up like eight times, you know, <laughs> he was permanently... I'm also not sure where it's going to go, too. The location is interesting. Because you can't put it right in the middle of the plaza, or can you? I mean, are you really trying to assert your dominance, or are you going to put it off to the side? Are you going to put it near the entrance, near the street? Because it is on Nowitzki Way. Yeah. You know? Uh, will it become a Pokestop in Pokemon Go? There's a lot of unanswered questions. So I'm, I'm curious to see that, too. So that's December <laughs> Those are 25th. are the important questions. Yeah, right at 11 a.m. Um, mine is a little Mavs yeah, related. Yeah, what do you have going on? So Jay Crowder. Might not be on the Phoenix Suns for long. I mean, no one is really sure what's <laughs> going on. Is he going to be a Sun? Um, is he going to be a, another son. team's player? You know, there's it's what less than a week to opening night now. 
Yeah. If Phoenix is going to make the trade, you know, he's he's requested a trade. Jay Crowder has. Are we going to um, see him play on the 19th? Yeah, I mean, I, no. I don't think so. He hasn't been with them in camp. Yeah. Uh, he wants a new contract. He wants to be a starter. Phoenix wants to bring him off the bench. And if he, you know, if, if they don't get that situation sort of handled mm-hmm. by opening night, that's one less guy that the Mavs have to worry about. You know, Crowder was in the starting lineup. Cam Johnson was coming off the bench, and he's a very good player. Uh, without him, you know, with Johnson in the starting lineup, but with no Crowder, they become much less deep. Yeah. And, you know, if that situation carries on, you know, well into the season, that's something that could hold Phoenix back a, a, a little bit in the standings, especially if, you know, guys start getting hurt and stuff. So it's a huge shot to their depth and maybe to their culture, too. You know, the Beast and JL McGee were two of the more experienced guys mm-hmm. in that locker room. Did and they now, cross you know, paths here in Dallas? Uh, no, no JaVale okay. was here after Jay got traded, but okay. Jay was on the heat whenever JaVale was on the Lakers. They played in the finals. Okay. So, you know, they've, they've both been, you know, Going been back very to far. Cam Johnson, I mean, he had his real, like, wow moment, like, in the play. That's a deep cut, the, Kobe, he, the Kobe White. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. When he got crossed over and fell down? Wow. Is that his moment? Here. Wow. Well, he is, he's recovered. He's fallen up into the starting lineup. So. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, and he's, he's a really good player, too. Yeah. No, no, I, I think like he's a really good player. Yeah. So. Yeah, Great so, shooter. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Will that situation resolve? Who knows? Uh, they, they got four or five days to figure it out, and if they don't, then that could be an advantage for the Mavs and for the rest of the West while they're sort of – you turn Jay Crowder into a rotation player, you're, you're cooking with gas, but if yeah. you just have – $10 million burning a hole in your pocket and no beast showing up on the floor, then it's like, okay, well, you know, we got problems. I just think it's so interesting that nowadays the players can request the trades like this. Like, it, it did not go well for KD doing this in, in Brooklyn. Like, he's still in Brooklyn. So, at the end of the day, like, wh- Well, Kyrie requested a trade, too, but he always just wanted to circle right back home. That was yeah, yeah, I just a flat circle. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say you eventually he'll fall off the edge if he. Mm. he yeah, you got Anyway, you have to come back anyway, yeah, so. I'm I'm personally not a fan of these player requested trades. It's like you signed a contract, show up, work. You're here to work. You hear that, Jay? <laughs> Sorry, that? Jay, but also you know, it's a new era. I get it, but. Uh, I personally not a fan. If you sign a contract, expect to just play it out. If the team decides to move you, that's on the team. But I don't think players should be this dissatisfied with their decisions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, he wants a new deal. He wants to start. I don't think that they can offer him either. So it's probably best for both yeah. sides to uh, to move on. But if I say too much more, I could get in trouble with Adam Silver know, for I'm tampering. Like, so now it's time to move. <laughs> On to some team superlatives. We're going to give our takes about some teams around the NBA. So I want you to answer the question fast. Don't think. Give a little bit of justification. And then at the end, maybe we'll choose the two people that had the best takes and then one person that's going to have to battle their way in mm-hmm. in the plan. How about that? Okay. 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 Uh, Isaac, let's start with you. We'll go down the line. Isaac, who's your team that improved the most this summer? Minnesota Timberwolves. All right. I, th- I think they did. Um, obviously, Adam Rudy Gobert. Uh, but I like some of their other additions, too. Kyle Anderson, uh, even a P.J. Dozier. Um, you look down the roster, small moves, Bryn Forbes, Austin Rivers. Um, you know, they kept McDaniels in that deal. I liked Wendell Moore uh, at the draft spot. They got him in the draft out of Duke. Um, yeah, I just think, I think they got better. I don't know what the end game is. I think they still win a lot of games. They were my sixth 
uh, seed when we did our predictions, mm -hmm. but I think they got better. Yeah. Cat? Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to go Minnesota, but it's already been taken. Yeah, so. we need to argue, actually. Yeah, that that pick sucked, Isaac. <laughs> Cat, put him in his place. I'm going to keep it in the West, but I'm going to go Denver. A um, couple additions, uh, Bruce Brown and KCP. KCP, yep. that's right. Good. And also just getting back Jamal Murray, getting back Michael Porter Jr. Uh, let's see how they do. But I think that they have improved tremendously. Obviously, they have the back-to-back -back MVP in Nikola Jokic. I've been, think I've been thinking of Jovic <laughs> lately. Miami. Yeah, he's. I don't know why he's been on my mind, but yeah. Anyway. I've just been thinking about him. <laughs> I have. I have. He's, a, really, about he's an interesting player. Like, I think he's going to be really good. And uh, now we got two Nicholas. So I'm just thrown off. Well, I'll embrace debate another day. I'm also going Denver there. So mm. uh, that improved the most. Kat, what's a team that you're higher on than anyone else seemingly is? I'm going to take the Austin route. I'm building a brand. I'm going to go with Denver Ooh, as well. Okay. But also, okay, okay. You hear the bubbles in the background. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Denver and close second, um, I think the Clippers. I think getting Kawhi mm. back. I think the addition of John Wall. I think a lot of people, they may be on their radar, but not quite. And so Denver and close second, Clippers. Isaac, how about you? Detroit Pistons. Oh. Detroit okay. basketball. Um, now, do okay. I think they're going to be a top six seed? Absolutely not. Do I think they're going to be fighting for a play-in spot, like that 10th spot in the East? I think they are. And a lot of it's built off. I'm a huge believer in Cade Cunningham. I think he's a really good basketball player. But they have this kind of younger core. I like the Jaden Ivey pick, Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes. He had a good game the other night, but we'll see what he is. But then they added Bogdanovich. They added Alec Burks. They added Nerlens to the team. Um I, it feels like they're going to try to win a little bit more this season. Uh, shout out to uh, Mavs ex-coach Dwayne Casey. But a lot of it's built on Cade. But I'm just higher on them this season. I think they're the. I don't think they're in the same category of suckiness as the Spurs and like the Pacers of the world. Detroit is very high. How high? Well, it's the only place in America where you can go south to get to Canada. So how about that? Oh, you love that fun fact. That I is do. A, it's a good one. It's, it's a good, good fun fact. I can wow. always keep it in my pocket. Just You've done to, it, right? Ready to deal it. Oh, I, oh yeah. many times. Yeah. Many times. Um, how about the Brooklyn Nets? Whoa! I, what? Are they, they could be you know, embroiled in drama and controversy, and they could be embattled and all this stuff, but like, they're still really good. Ben Simmons is back for now. Royce O'Neal, you know, they, they got some upgrades. They kept Patty Mills. Um, you know, they, they kept a lot of the guys on their team. Joe Harris coming back. So you know, they were good last season, just were missing a couple guys. KD was hurt. Kyrie was hurt. James Harden got traded. Well, now all that stuff is over. Time to play, time to play basketball. I think Brooklyn is going to be really good, maybe even the top three seed in the East. Okay. Um, all right, a team that you just can't figure out or are low on. I'll, I'll take this one first. The Chicago Bulls. Ooh. Lonzo Ball has been day-to-day, week-to-week for like a year now. Yeah. Um, not really sure what's going on. They won a lot of close games last year at the buzzer thanks to some DeMar DeRozan heroics and – that was very good for them last year, but if you're constantly winning games via coin flip, eventually the luck is going to turn. Um, and also just, you know, I guess Patrick Williams is going to be playing. So, so like, the, you know, they have some, some defensive players, but you know, they don't have a lot of defensive players. So I think there are question marks uh, at, at the defensive end of the floor. Offense is a little bit inconsistent with mid-range, so we'll see. I'm not, I'm not so sure about the Bulls' uh, chances of making the top six. What about you, Cap? 
I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Ooh. addition of Donovan Ooh. Mitchell, I don't know how it's going to go. Ooh, okay. I don't know how it's going to go. You got three, you know, you have a really big lineup, so you would think, okay, lob threats, in the paint. Donovan Mitchell doesn't pass the ball. He's a shooter. How is he going to fit in? It's going to be make or break. Ooh, all okay. right. I like that pick. Uh, Washington, what the heck are you doing? I, I just <laughs> I, have, I have no clue what they're trying to do. You give Bradley Beal this massive contract. You obviously take the swing for Porzingis. I mean, you have Kyle Kuzma. The Johnny Davis pick seems I don't even know. He hasn't looked great in preseason. I mean, I, do they win 34 games? I don't know. And, but they're, like, spending, and they have some of these, like, big names. I, I just don't know what they're doing. I'm confused. They could tank this year and trade everybody off or – if everybody stays healthy, they're like the seventh seed in the East. I, I don't know. Monty Morris, though, good pickup for them. I, I do yeah, like Monty Morris pickup. a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we're going to do some player predictions. Award okay. predictions. Do it. This one, we might have some disagreement, or we might just agree across the board. I guess we'll just see. We'll see how much debate we're embracing for the next couple minutes here. Let's go down the line. Your MVP choice. Isaac, let's start with you. This Who's is, winning MVP this year? Yeah, season? this is Luca's year. Luca Doncic. MVP. All right. Yeah. It's time to agree. I'm going to go Luca as yeah. well. Oh, no. We can't have. Bobby, okay. no. We can't have unanimity. Oh, oh no, no. It's fine. I was about to blast you if you weren't going to pick him. Yeah. Who are you going to pick? Come on. All right. Luca, second place. I'm going to go Giannis. I think the Bucks are okay. accidentally yeah. going to win a lot of games. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I, think they're gonna I like win it. A, and by, I say by accident because they kind of were like. We're not going to try and win 70 games anymore. We're just going to, like, coast. Yeah. Uh, but they're very good. Yeah. I think they're going to win a lot of games, even if they're not really super trying. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be Luka, but maybe Giannis. Okay. That's my prediction. Tentative. A European guy. Yeah. Uh, Katya, who is your rookie of the year? I'm going to go with Paolo. Um, I think uh, Jamal Mosley. Love that guy. Uh, he is going to develop him well. He always has good rapport with young players, so I think uh, I think their chemistry will be good. I'm gonna go with. Ooh, I don't know if he's gonna get enough minutes out of the gate, but I'm gonna go Keegan Murray, Sacramento. Oh, I like that. I think he's I gonna like score that. easily double figures, maybe even pushing 20 if they make a couple moves to open well, up some minutes for him. You know, there he's gonna have the time to play because you know Sacramento, they're they're not. Well, see, I mean, you know, there's a little bit of a logjam. You know, you got him, HB. Um, you know, you got you got some guys that are, and he's definitely a small forward. So like, I don't know, we'll see. But I think he's he can score the absolute crap out of the ball. Besides Jaden Hardy, I'll go with Palo. I'm just all in on Palo. I think he's yeah. an, an alpha. He's a number one. I think he's gonna score the most this season out of any rookie. I just think he's really really good. So I, this is this is a clear Palo pick for me. All right, uh, I've been outnumbered so far. That's <laughs> fine. I'm ready to get defensive. For the defensive player of the year. Ooh. Ooh. I'm going to go Rudy Gobert. I think they're going to make a huge improvement on defense. Come Sorry, on. Sorry. That was my pick. Sorry. I have somebody I different. Go I have somebody okay. different. Uh, it, Draymond. He's got a puncher's chance. Oh, and wow. I just I think he's it's a it's a contract year. Warriors are really good. I think he's going to anchor that defense. And we saw what he did in playoffs. He's. I think it's, he's going to anchor it. Okay, you're on a roll, so I, I I would like to see you in the bonus now. Oh, let's do yeah. it. All right, so the other day, uh, I was looking at some current free agents, and I, I asked myself, I said, are they really not on an NBA roster? Because I remember the, the, the debate between Dwight Howard and Emeka Okafor back in the 2004 draft. I remember this high school big man versus this UConn national champion. 
I remember Carmelo Anthony, his young years at Syracuse, winning the title, and those young years in Denver. Um, you look at, I'm from Kentucky, so I remember Rajon Rondo and him declaring for the draft. Who? And <laughs> I know, we, do we, can we mention him? <laughs> I remember when he declared for the draft, and it was this big deal of, oh man, he's already declaring. I, you know, yeah. DeMarcus Cousins or an Eric Bledsoe, those fun Kentucky John Calipari teams, and even guys like Isaiah Thomas, one day Maverick or one game Maverick, and Avery Bradley, and guys like LaMarcus Aldridge and Paul Millsap, and all of these guys, they're not even on an NBA roster right now. And it's like, it's so crazy for me to think about because I'm in my early 30s. I've entered this like stage of my life where it's weird seeing a player's whole career from start to finish. Not just like a career that's a few years old, but Hall of Fame careers like Carmelo, Dwight Howard, perennial all-stars that are just waiting for an NBA team to call. And as the kids say, father time is undefeated. And, but while, yes, we see that careers of personal or professional athletes, they're finite, but it also adds another level of appreciation for the careers of my two favorite basketball players of all time, Dirk Nowitzki and Vince Carter. Two guys that played past the age of 40, over 20 seasons in the NBA. They adapted, they persevered, and they were both some of the best teammates you could ever have. And although Father Time is undefeated, Father Time has never hit that corner three butt at the buzzer. Uh, Father Time's never put on the greatest performance in dunk contest history, or Father Time hasn't uh, scored over 30,000 points or bring a title to Dallas. So as we start another NBA season next week, Let's appreciate the players who are in the last chapters of their career, because before you know it, you'll be asking yourself, are they really not on an NBA roster? That's good stuff, Isaac. Oh, so good. It's important to appreciate these guys, especially like, you know, you mentioned Carmelo and Dirk, like the super duper ultra legends. Mm -hmm. Eventually, it's going to be LeBron's last season. Yeah. yeah. And like people like making fun of LeBron and everything and whatever. He's corny on social media, but he's like one of the greatest athletes of all time in any sport. You yeah. never want to see those guys go into that forced retirement, right? Like they still yeah. want to play. You know, like my my big one was always Jamal Crawford. Yeah. Like I did not want to see that dude's career end and it just turned into like forced retirement and it's just it, it's uh, just weird cuz yeah. we're we're at that stage in our life. You know, I'm sure there's some people listening on 97-1 freak on, in their cars right now. Like, yeah, I've been seeing players do this their whole life. And we're, we're all three in this spot where we remember these guys that came into the league out of college or high school. And now it's like, man, like Blake Griffin signed the other day for this like minimum deal for yeah. Boston. He's barely hanging on. Even like LaMarcus Aldridge and even guys like Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe's 32. He's not on a team right now. And some of these guys, they might sign over the next coming weeks. But it's this, it's this reminder that these professional athletes, like their careers are finite. It's gonna, like these stages, they're gonna phase out and we'll see the new young guys here. But it's just weird. It's weird to see the seeing, end of the yeah, era. It and, is. And, yeah. and the, the turning of the, the page, the chapter, you know. Yeah, we were kids whenever Dirk and Vince got drafted, yeah. but I was 16 whenever LaMarcus Aldridge got drafted. I mean, I like, you remember, I was still young, like, but like, like I was, it, yeah, yeah, I had lived quite a but life. At that point, you were like you know. into basketball and like it's something that you follow. Yeah, so, so this yeah. is, it's, Sad, it's humbling, you know, it's all those things. Yeah. But yeah, just appreciate what you have. I like that, Isaac. Yeah, yeah that was really good. I like that. Really good. Uh, I like soap, too. Uh, <laughs> 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 I'm looking forward to using that. We got a lot of stuff planned for next week, too. Of course, the season opener. Yeah. Um, we got some appetizers on Tuesday night, watching some other teams play basketball. But Mavs versus Suns on Wednesday is going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Uh, there's going to be a, a whole bunch of stuff happening in Studio 41. I'm sure Lockdown is getting ready to pop off, too. 
Uh, it's that yeah. time. It's that time. I don't, I'm just, I'm really You got really time. Excited. Get something to eat. And something to drink uh, at Rollertown. Cheers to, to Ben and Skin for that. Uh, and you got time to get you some gear. That's new, Katya. Represent, make some Oh, noise. let's go. Yeah, very, very, very nice let's stuff. Go. So uh, fun show. Fun show, guys. Yeah, this good time. Good fun. times. We'll yeah. do it again next week. Yep. Regular uh, Same season. place, maybe not the same time. I'm not sure. You'll just have to tune in to find out. To Studio 41 Radio. On 97.1 The Freak.